Welcome into the conversation. You're with Sky Sport as we catch up with our Super Rugby Aotearoa coaches leading into season 2021. I'm Ricky Swanell, got Joey Wheeler alongside, and it's a pleasure to have the Highlanders coach Tony Brown in with us. And I was going to just sit back and uh, let you guys uh, yeah, have yeah. it. All right, please, yeah. please, Highlanders please do. Yeah. There's something glaringly obvious going on here, Brownie, that you've forgotten to bring, and that's the, the cheese cutter. What's going on? Yeah, obviously, uh, left that at home. Um, joined the yeah, that's the first thing that gets packed when you go on tour, though. But uh, not on tour yet, officially. So, <laughs> um, nah, cheese cutters at home, but I'll bring it out next season for sure. Yeah, what's the? Can you give us a little bit of a story around how that came about and sort of why it's caught on uh, down at the Highlanders now? Um, yeah, I suppose it was uh, 215. Um, we're in Wellington and they have the uh, final against the Hurricanes and I thought, oh, I'll go for a bit of a walk and walked into the local Barker shop and saw a, a pretty mighty fine cheese cutter. So I thought, <laughs> I'm going to buy that. I reckon that's going to be the lucky charm for the final tonight. And so I, I purchased this cheese cutter and stuck it in my room, had it ready to go. And um, then obviously went to the game. We won the game, straight back to the hotel, cheese cutter on. For the next three days, we uh, celebrated with the cheese cutter on and it's become a bit of a lucky charm. And yeah. Nothing to do with um, thinning out on top that well, you did. It, yeah, it sort of protects <laughs> a little bit of that, especially in the wet weather. Everyone's got to have a signature look, though. You've got to yeah. have a signature yeah. look. Um, we didn't think you wanted to be a head coach, so why are you here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I was a reluctant head coach, um, quite openly, I suppose, a couple of years ago, and um, ended up doing the job anyway with the Highlanders. And uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that as well. It's a different challenge. Um, since then, I've been over in Japan and working with the Japanese team and also um, jumped in with the Sunwolves and had to, had to do the head coach role at the Sunwolves as well and um, quite enjoyed that, even though she's a hard, hard slog when you're getting pumped every week. But, um, <laughs> sort of teaches you um, a lot about um, trying to create the right environment, um, making sure your leadership's good and, you know, um, trying to get performances performances out of guys who are, you know, potentially not quite as good as the other teams. So, um, you know, learned a lot around um, the head coach role by jumping into that side and feel as though I'm probably a lot more qualified than I was a couple of years ago to be able to pull it off. But then when it did come up again, obviously, with Aaron moving on, um, was it a, a change of heart? Did, or was as soon as it came up, were you like, yeah, I'm going to do this? Or was it a bit of umming and ahhing before signing on and, and committing to the Highlanders? No, we always wanted to try and um, attract a world-class head coach, I suppose. Um, we had one lined up, but he, but he pulled out. Um, and I was always going to jump into it if uh, we couldn't find the right person. And, you know, there's not a lot of world-class head coaches available. Um, probably know a few that sort of haven't got a job at the moment but we couldn't entice them to the Highlanders so um, I was always willing to jump on board um, if we couldn't get the right guy. What do you mean? You're not saying you're not world class? Yeah, I was going to say, but half of yourself. I think you're world class. Yeah. Go on, mate. Go on, mate, yeah. Back yourself. We'll see. Proof will be in the uh, pudding, won't it, mate? <laughs> who, did you, who did you have lined up? Oh, I can't tell you. Uh, <laughs> <go on>. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need a plan with about twelve spades before yeah. we all right, leave. Right, right. Good to know. You should yeah. have told me that before yeah. we started. Yeah. We would have been away. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what's the difference? What's the, that big change then? Going to being an assistant and, and being quite happy in that role to taking on that head coach. What does it actually mean for you to to do that? Um, the first thing is is you wake up at three instead of six <laughs> to prepare for your work. Now you 
for me, your brain just starts thinking about different things. You're having to think about your leadership, your environment, um, you know, selection, um, different ways to do things to, um, I guess, uh, impact the players to get them to play well. So, yeah, you wake up at three with these great ideas in your, in your head and you can't get back to sleep. Um, when I was assistant coach, it was just pure footy, wake up at six, go to work and do the job and have a beer and then uh, go home. But now, yeah, there's a lot more to it and um, you're not under any more pressure. It's just mentally you're having to think about different things and um, you're having to create the environment and you're having to lead a lot of different people um, to make sure that, you know, you're your team's ticking along nicely. The style of head coach that you want to be, Brownie, is it you still want to be on the whistle, on the grass, or are you going to be sort of that managerial um, head coach, or is that a part of your head coaching journey that you need to develop over the next couple of years? Yeah, I think I'll always um, be on the grass. I think um, you've got to have some impact on the team um, around how you coach it, um, but I, I won't be as, as full on um, as, I, as I probably was. Um, as in a attack coach and assistant coach, um, I think I'll have some part of the game which I'll um, want to do, and I want to probably um, work out ways how we're going to win games of rugby, and then let the coaches go and do their job, um, and then I'd be in charge of keeping our um, management team on track and keeping our leaders on task, and um, hopefully performing well on the rugby field. Japan is obviously still there as well. So how do you how do you balance that two different roles in a still a weird time? We don't really know what's going to be happening with international rugby and in, in the future for for a wee while yet. Hopefully we're going places soon. Yeah, well, you know, um, I love coaching Japan. I actually just love coaching, and um, I find if you spend too much time away from the game, whether it only be you know three or four weeks or three or four months, I think you lose your lose your touch. Um, I think you lose an opportunity to innovate the game. So for me, I just love coaching rugby teams, coaching players, um, challenging players to, to do things differently on the rugby field and then ultimately trying to play the game different <coughs> to everyone else because like watching at the moment, it's all starting to become a little bit similar. Um, so for me, coaching Japan and, and the Highlanders allows me to play around with a number of different things that hopefully can influence both environments. In terms of the, the Highlanders, pre-COVID, pre it was, wasn't was in a great shape. Let's be frank, it was a bit of a rabble really. It um, weren't playing too well off the field, not going so well either. Uh, sort of post-COVID and Super Rugby Aotearoa, the, the, the ship sort of steadied. In terms of what you want to bring as a, as a head coach, where do you think the Highlanders need to go in terms of um, their environment, in terms of what they're doing on the field to, to get better come 2020 Super Rugby? Yeah, for me, it's got a... 2021, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Not doing 2020 again. No, please, Absolutely nah, delete not. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I apologise. Oh, for me, it's always got to start with the environment um, and your identity as a team. So for me, that's where we've got to start and we've got to create that and, and make it really strong. Um, and if we can do that, then we can build our rugby off the back of that. Um, you know, and then you obviously, the next part of creating a good environment is having good leadership. And I feel as though potentially we were a little bit, um, a little bit young last year around our team. We had lots of talent, but not a lot of real quality leaders. Um, and our best leaders got injured, um, which put the rest of the team under real pressure. And then we're just left with you know, Aaron Smith and um, Ash Dixon trying to, trying to do everything <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. And um, they did a great job 
but uh, you know, at the time before COVID, we were in a bad spot and um, we weren't playing well. We were under pressure and we sort of lacked a lot of leadership with Jimmy Lynch, he's getting injured. Um, so yeah, we were um, struggling there. So for me, we've just got to pick a lot more experienced guys and I think we've done that. Um, create a, a better leadership team and create the environment that the players love to come to work on the Monday and put their boots on and rip into it. Nice, mate. In terms of on the field, now, um, playing under you for a long time, you've always had uh, a great mindset towards um, rugby. And, and one thing that always sticks in my mind is a saying that you always have used is um, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger on whatever you want to I do. I thought it was beers always taste better when <laughs> well, you Well, I, I, I didn't want to bring that up, but um, that too. That's obviously, that's obvious, that's pretty obvious. But yeah, the, the pull with the trigger mindset, can you give um, people that are watching this a bit of an insight into what that means and, and, and how you coach that to, to your teams? Yeah, I suppose it's um, around backing yourself and your and your team um, and you get the way that you want to try and play the game 100%. Um, you know, you see on the rugby field a lot of opportunities missed through guys um, not having 100% confidence, not only in themselves, but in the way that your, your team wants to play. Um, and I feel as though when the Highlanders play their best rugby, um, it's when, like in previous years, when you see guys like Ben Smith and Aaron Smith just playing extremely fast, um, backing their skill, playing with no fear, and ultimately just pulling the trigger on everything that they're thinking at the time. Um, and I just find that we're not quite good enough um, as a team to play within ourselves and beat sides. So we've always got to play on the extreme of just being pulling the trigger and just backing yourself 100%. And if we can create that confidence within our guys, I, I believe that players just um, excel and probably play better than they think they can play. You talk about innovating and you're known as, a, as an innovator and trying to unpick other, other teams. Where does that come from, that creativity or that passion for, I don't know, unlocking moves or coming up with moves? Do you like Homeland and you've got all the <laughs> things on the board somewhere at home? Um, no, it's probably because I never could do it myself <laughs> in the rugby field. I was you know, pretty limited with what I could do, but I always believed that I was going to be a better coach than a player. Um, I always saw the game differently to a lot of people and I always tried to play the game different to how the game was sort of played um, traditionally in New Zealand and sort of helped me, I guess, get to the all-black level where I was probably um, different to Andrew Mertens and Carlos Spencer where I just sort of played a bit more like a Ford and um, <laughs> flatter and a bit more physical. And um, But it was just to play the game differently and we got success from that, which gave me success. Um, but I think, like... The way that I look at the game as a coach, it's got to be um, different and I've got to be trying to find innovative ways to play the game different to the Crusaders or the Blues or the Hurricanes or the Chiefs because potentially we're never ever going to have the same talent that those guys are going to have. So we've got to try and get the edge through how we play the game. Because you said before uh, there's a lot of similarities of how the game's being played globally. So what's your, how do you find that point of difference? I mean, when all these coaches are, for all intents and purposes, I guess at the peak of their powers as well. Yeah, I think so, but I think... Um, that's why you wake up at 3am, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, there's certain ways the game's played. Um, it's all around the physical contest, um, and it's all around slowing down the ball, um, and it's all around pressure. So, you know, you see the games where teams will kick it to a team, they'll pressure the breakdown, teams will slow it down and they'll kick it back. They'll come and pressure the breakdown, they'll slow it down and they'll kick it back. So for me, 
um, got to find ways to try and speed up the game and and put teams under pressure with speed and skill and and trying to attack space. Um, and you know, if you don't have the, the most physical team in the comp, you're never ever going to win the traditional way. You've, mm. So you've got to try and find different ways to get an edge. And um, and I like coaching, I suppose, the underdog type team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Highlanders have always been that way. Um, Japan's that way. So you know, you can probably be a little bit more creative with teams like that. Coaching backlists. Yeah, it's just going to yeah, yeah, come from being a bit of a scrapper yeah, as a kid think, and, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was, I was going to take him back there. Yeah. A little old Kai Tangata. Kid from Kai you know, Tangata. Yeah, you know, exactly. Half yeah, back against the wall and and the claw. That yeah. you know, like obviously a, a huge um, or a pretty horrific uh, injury for you and your family as a kid, and then your grandmother mm. making the decision to take you instead of Balcuther up to Dunedin Hospital. And then you're left with, yeah. but how did that shape you? Like that obviously would have, um, you know. Yeah, well, I think as a as a as a player, um, and probably now as a coach, just um, at that time, I just had to try and I ended up becoming left-handed. So you had to teach. I had to teach myself to be left-handed for a starter. And then I just love sports so much. And obviously, for the first sort of ten years, I couldn't operate with my right hand. So being able to teach myself to use my left hand, and then being able to teach myself different skills once I could use both hands and compete at different sports that we used to play down in mighty old Kaitangata. Um, I don't even know where that is. I'm, I'm, I'm so North Island, I, don't even, I couldn't even find that there. on a map, clearly. You do need to go there, yeah. quite a um, tourist um, destination. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Clearly. Great cheese rolls too. Uh, oh, there we yeah. go, sold. Yeah. Um, so you just, because you're always learning and teach, teaching yourself, um, new ways to do things, I think that's what sort of developed into my coaching as well and probably why I think I'll probably always be a better coach than I was a player. Lacked ability, but <laughs> not tenacity. Yeah, well, the tenacity as well, I mean, then it happened again when you're in Japan and you had to have life-saving surgery because you, what, you ruptured your pancreas? Yeah. Like, how the hell do you do that? Yeah. Did you well, just get smoked? What? I smoked, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Too small. Uh, probably too old at that stage. Um, yeah. Attacking, attacking the line too much. Um, wasn't. Yeah. But no, there was a bit of a. Um, well, it was for me. It was um, put me in a bit of a hole. Um, but it gave me a bit of a challenge as well to try and get back. The wife didn't want me to play again, but uh, I sent her home and. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> still together. Still together. It's clear that we just Barely by the sounds of that. <laughs> so I sent her home with the kids and uh, had a challenge to get back because I didn't want to go out that way. Um, and, you know, ended up playing another few years and stripped up for the Hollanders again. And Although I had to pad up yeah, this right. time. So, um, but no, nah, it was a pretty horrific injury and I probably didn't understand how serious it was. Um, they, Brought my wife in and said that it's going to be 50-50 where I survived the surgery. Then things didn't go well and I had to get put in an ambulance and rushed to another hospital in Japan. And um, I spent two weeks in ICU and um, where next door to me, a guy who had the same injury through, a, I think it was a car crash, ended up dying. Far and I, I still didn't, I still felt as though I was, you know, I was going to walk out of there in a couple of days time and be okay. but. I was in there for six weeks and walked out at 72 kegs. What, oh, what do you learn about yourself from something like that, going through something like that? That I'm an asshole when I'm injured, for a starter. 
Ah, we all? Yeah, I can imagine. Wife would uh, yeah, I was travel, say your wife, you're agree. travel an hour and a half every day to come and see me and I would hardly talk to her. Oh. You know, <laughs> just treat her like shit. Oh, so wow. I had to give myself a good talking to there for a while. Looking ahead to the Highlanders and the, the season coming up and some of the players in your squad, there's a few that have been were in great form throughout the provincial competition. One, Philal Whakatawa, one of these standouts. Um, you'd a, be pretty pleased that he is heading back south again, but how do you bring him to the next level after what you've seen of him this season? Yeah, pretty proud of Philal with um, what he achieved with Hawke's Bay. I've always, he's always been a good rugby player, but he's always tended to be quite an individual rugby player. Um, but he made huge gains around um, creating all this space for Hawke's Bay and other players that, that he was playing with. So thought he was massive for them in the Modern Cup and everyone just played off him. A little bit like everyone plays off Aaron Smith, you know, within the Highlanders and the All Blacks. So it's going to be pretty exciting to get him into the Super Rugby level and see if he can create similar things with us um, that he did with Hawke's Bay. And, you know, Aaron Smith always needs bit of time off um, so you know we're gonna hopefully get Falau playing at his best early in the campaign. Um, in terms of the the 10 for the Highlanders obviously Josh Iwane um, would probably be the first to admit his form wasn't the greatest during uh, the Mitre 10 Cup in 2020. Mitch Hunt on the other hand was quite outstanding for the for the Marco. Um, how do you see that sort of panning out during the 2021 season? Yeah I think it's a pretty good challenge for Josh. Um, I think he lost that battle um, the start of 2020 um, around coming in prepared to you know run a run the ship at 10. I think Mitch Hunt's always impressive with his fitness, his preparation, how he reads the game, um, how he understands the game um, and he's a good leader um, out there so you know Josh sort of fluctuates a little bit around how he comes in um, around his fitness so his challenge is to come in best condition possible and if he can do that, then you know no one attacks like Josh Shuani. So, but he can't do it if he's a little bit unfit and his shorts are a bit tight. So, <laughs> um, he knows that, and you know we'll be telling him pre-Christmas, and we tell we'll be telling him post-Christmas, and hopefully come seventh of January, um, you know he's wearing a size smaller shorts. <laughs> Wouldn't we all be hoping that? <laughs> Some of us have got no chance. You talked about um, uh, needing more experience and, and some people to back up your leaders. Obviously, Ash Dixon, one of the probably the best leaders in New Zealand rugby, Aaron Smith. So who are those other guys that do that for you this season coming? Yeah, we've um, made a couple of, um, I think, a couple of uh, pretty good signings with um, bringing, bringing up Bryn Evans into our side. Um, played in the UK for 10 years probably now and just really smart around the line out um, around um, defensive line out especially and, and still physically can play the game so that's an exciting signing for us because we've got a lot of young locks and if we can get a bit more experience into those guys use Bryn um, you know not all the time but mm. when we need them and um, you know, I think our line-out's going to function a lot better. Um, we've also re-signed Josh Honick, so quite exciting for us around um, our front rowers, um, along with um, Ainsley, who's experienced um, Australian tight head. But he's coming back home, so I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get the best out of him um, in the next few years. 
and then you know we've got Liam Squire back, and uh, no one wants to play against Liam Squire in this uh, competition. So I think he's going to bring a bit of physical edge um, and lead, you know, a lot of our a lot of our forwards around the field around how he plays, and they'll follow him. <laughs> you like, sounded all good. I'm going to sit back for the, for the last yeah, couple of minutes yeah. you guys just talk about uh, how no, But in terms of, um, I, I just want to go to Tony Brown, actually, yes. and, and and sort of understand your mindset going forward because obviously you, you're committed to Japan for a little while, but where, what, what's the dream for Tony Brown in terms of a coach? Where does he want to end up? What's the end goal? Um, I don't know if I have a um, complete end goal. I think... Um, you know, I thought I wanted to coach the All Blacks and I probably had a, um, you know, the best possible opportunity that someone can ever have where you couldn't fail. Um, obviously being with Razor and Fozzie um, leading into their um, interviews. Um, but, you know, I just um, felt I had a lot more to uh, give Japan rugby and I love coaching with Jamie Joseph. Um, so, you know, Coaching the Japan team with Jamie was the right decision for me, um, and I wanted to push the push the game in, in Japan, especially, and try and see what we can do with this Japanese team going forward. Um, so, yeah, I haven't really answered your question. No. I've um, sidestepped it a little bit. You want to be the Japan coach? Um, <laughs> no, I think I just want to um, coach teams that you know are able to push um, rugby to another level. Um, and I don't know if the All Blacks for me was that job. Um, I think, uh, you know, coaching with Jamie, he allows me to push the Japan team to where they've sort of never been before around how they play the game. Uh, I know that with the Highlanders, we're going to have to do something pretty special to knock over the Crusaders and the Blues and the Hurricanes and the Chiefs. <laughs> um, so we're going to have to, you know, do things a lot differently down there as well. So that's those are the jobs that I love, and I think, those are the jobs that are going to help me become, I reckon, um, the best coach I can be. Just going back quickly to Liam Squire coming back, and I think you probably make every Highlanders fan incredibly happy about the present company included. Um, what, what was that process like about getting him back, and uh, what sort of shape is he in, and really ready to come back and commit and, and play some good rugby again that we know that we've seen and, and get excited by? Yeah, well, Liam actually approached us. Um, you know, to see what the possibilities were, and I was quite excited about that. So I caught up with him for a coffee, and I really wanted to test whether he, I guess, wanted to be an All Black again, and wanted to try and be the best player that he could be over the next two or three years, or however long he's he's with the Highlanders. Um, and he assured me that he was feeling better than he's ever felt before. He's had it, got a new hip and uh, a new knee, and he's actually in in his current state is probably in better condition than he's ever been. So that's exciting for us and his passion to still be an All Black is still there. Um, and he could see from the outside looking in where we were failing as, as Highlanders. Um, and he was pretty um, pretty blunt around he wants to come in and help fix it. And yeah, so he's our man. Very good. All right. <coughs> I was just going to straighten myself out. Yeah, this is yeah. the, the quick fire, tight five. It's bloody exciting. <laughs> I don't know if we can, we can top Heaven that. Haven't been entirely derailed, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, so the tight five, Brownie, I just need your honest, straight answer as soon as I ask the question, whatever comes to your mind, first and foremost. Uh, young Highlanders player that we need to look out for in 2021. Have we got any young ones left? They're all old now. 
Or who uh, are you most excited about? Uh, Alamalo. I oh, think yeah. Um, yeah, nice. the opportunity we're going to give him and playing in the stadium is going to be turn him into a bit of a uh, cult hero in the deep south. Your favourite summer spot, and you can't say Kaitangata? No, Wanaka. Um, if there was any Japanese player other than Fumi uh, that you could bring out to New Zealand, who would that be? Oh, it's him and I. He's coming. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, mate, it's so good. Oh, Fukuoka. I'd like to bring, oh, Matsushima and Fukuoka, they'd go pretty good yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah, they would. Total Matsushima, very good player. Um, any superstitions that you've got? Obviously, the cheese cutter as a coach, but as a player, any other any other ones that we need to be aware of? Uh, I was kicking the day before a game. Uh, always had to kick goals day before a game. I remember in South Africa in 2000, could have been 2001. Sorry, 2001. Ryan coming in sideways, wind weren't allowed on the stadium. Had to go and kick in the club ground. Wayne Smith came with me. I kicked two balls from right in front um, and then went back to the hotel <laughs> and then kicked a few goals in the test match and won the test match. Last one. If there was one player that you could poach from uh, any other side in New Zealand, who oh, would it be? Richie Mwanga. Richie Mwanga. Out hesitation. All right, yeah. thank you. Good thank stuff, you so mate. much, Tony Brown. All the best to you and the Highlanders for the season. That is it for the conversation. Our Super Rugby pre-season coaches preview. You can find us wherever you get your good podcasts from the Sky Sport Presents social media pages and, of course, here on Sky Sport.